Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the film Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me. You don't have to have seen the film to enjoy the podcast, but if you do listen without having seen it, just be aware there may be spoilers. Enjoy. Hello, baby. Yeah. Groovy, baby. Yeah. Isn't that exactly how we started the last episode? It is. Mediocre sequel, baby. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but it's it's okay to repeat, isn't it? Because it's Austin April. We could start every single episode <laughs> with groovy, baby. Yeah, baby. I think you're shagadelic and such. Yeah. Sexual innuendo, baby. Yeah. Yeah. Sexual innuendo and poo jokes, baby. That's what you like. <laughs> groovy but it's a long weekend this is going to be released on good friday which is the goodest day of the year when everything is good but like opposite (laughs) day friday yeah yeah best friday ah yeah it is it is a long weekend it is a much needed long weekend the day when our our lord jesus the easter bunny came down from the cross and gave us chocolate eggs yep that's exactly what happened I can say that with authority because, you know, I'm Catholic and stuff. (laughs) You're an expert in the field of of God. The field of God and chocolate. (laughs) My two favourite things. Exactly. That's the name of a pub, isn't it, in Islington, the God and chocolate? The God and chocolate. Yeah, yeah. I think think we played there once, didn't we? Yeah. The four people (laughs) and a dog. Exactly, exactly. Um... (laughs) How are you today? You yeah, good? I'm good. I'm very excited about the long weekend and excited to eat some chocolate. Um, we've got, we're seeing a few few family members, so you know they're going to give you chocolate. It's, it's, it's all good. It's the it's the most second most wonderful time of the year. It's not a patch on Christmas, is it? Easter? No, no, no. It, Easter is the least good of the holidays. Number one is Christmas. Number two is birthday. Whoever whoever's birthday it is. Then, anyone's um, birthday halloween yeah y- your individual birthday not as good as christmas because christmas you get the joy of oh your your individual birthday right so you're not saying that yeah. you you're just like one of those people who just loves anyone else's birthday and you're like yeah come on birthday time groovy <laughs> come on i turn every day of the year i find someone whose birthday it is and i turn up and go where's my piece of cake you bastard that would actually be a really good film day. You know, um, you know, wedding crashes. It'd be like that. Birthday crashes. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that could be a Netflix rom-com, couldn't it? Birthday crashes. I would watch that. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 a uh, a college student hacks into the the HR records of the uni to find whose birthday is on each day, and then befriends them just before the birthday to go to the party. And then, so each day goes to a new birthday party, but then he meets one person who he falls in love with. Yeah. And then he wants to make it like their birthday every day, like the Katy Perry song. And then you could have a cameo from Katy Perry. Or you could not have a cameo from Katy Perry. (laughs) Controversial (laughs) other choice. Every Netflix rom-com has to have a cameo with someone. Do you think she's too good for it or not good enough? (laughs) 
<laughs> I, I, I don't want her anywhere near a movie. Is she? Is she an actor? I don't know. Has she? She may have appeared on the silver screen, but I have no of no recollection. Have you got beef with Katy her, Perry? I know that her doppelgangers have appeared in many movies, um, such as uh, Zoe Deschanel. Yeah, <laughs> the, the 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 Katy Perry doppelgangers have been all over the place, haven't they? Yeah, um, that's true. It's like um, Mark Lanigan. God rest him. Uh, looks yeah. like Will Ferrell. Looks like uh, <laughs> looks like the drummer from Red Hot Chili Peppers. Uh, Chad Smith. <laughs> Chad Smith. That's right. Yeah. Um, apparently, she plays she plays Smurfette in the Smurf movies. I what? don't think that's a good indicator of of acting ability. <laughs> Who does Katy Perry? <laughs> yeah. And okay. then she played herself in Zoolander 2. Apart from that, it's just her own music videos. And then she appears in one episode of How I Met Your Mother. I assume as a nod to her being Katy Perry, but not. So yeah, I don't I don't think she's... I, I appreciate her music. Don't think she has the acting chops to appear in this high quality Netflix rom-com. Not good Birthday enough for crashes. Big Boys Productions. <laughs> no, not good enough for Big Boys Productions. <laughs> um, whereas, yeah, give, give me one of the one of the doppelgangers. Um, you know, you could give us Zoe Deschanel. You could give us Emily Blunt. Yeah, um, and that's fine. But you've got to be an actor. To but those are, those are actual movies. actors. Though. They, they are actual actors. The budget for this film is just shooting up and up. Well, I think they're, they'll be so impressed by previous movies of ours, such as Wizard Cop, that they'll want to do it day. For, <laughs> and opposite day, that they'll want to do it just for the privilege of being in a big boys production. That that's true. Yeah, by this point we'll be on like Wizard Cop <laughs> Five, but none of them will have yeah. been on it. So really, it's it's a bit like how with the Harry Potter franchise, every British actor was in it at some point, but the ones who got left until movie six, seven, or eight felt a bit hard done by, and were trying to get in for years. At this point, we're in like Wizard Cop Five, and it's like, okay, yeah, we'll give you a part in Wizard Cop Five, but first you got to do us a favor by starring in Birthday Crashes. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You've got to be in this movie first, and then if you if you if you vibe with us well, we'll find a role for you in Wizard Cop Five, yeah, Operation to... Miami Beach, <laughs> Wizard Cop Five, the vibe shift. <laughs> yes. You know about the vibe the shift, multi, the multi vibes of madness, the vibe shift. Yeah. Uh, what is the vibe shift? This is the thing that like people say on the internet that apparently there's been a vibe shift or that like there's always a vibe shift or it's I think it's the thing that like, the generation below us talk about vibes and the vibe vibing a lot. Yeah, apparently there's, uh, there's been a big well, vibe I, shift. I know I know people talk about vibes and vibing. I assume that vibe shift is a term made up by people who are far too old to be using terms like vibe. Sounds about right to me. Writing yeah. writing for places like Tatler. Or whatever. Yeah, you know I read Tatler or, every week. Or or some some 35-year-old Guardian com- uh, columnist who's desperate to stay in the loop with the young folk. That's that's more along the lines of the stuff that I, <laughs> I read when I'm on the toilet. <laughs> um, you mentioned, you mentioned um, Harry Potter, the wizarding world of Harry Potter. Oh yes, um, my favourite did- thing. <laughs> did you... Definitely did you not read- something that I used to love dearly and now I'm completely bummed out by. 
did you did you read that uh the they are contemplating not doing any more um fantastic beasts movies yeah because is the new one out is it out now it, i think it's out the secrets of dumbledore the 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 apathetic shrug of dumbledore um and apparently it's better than the last one. I don't know how it could be worse than the last one. I was going to say, they, they need has. the remaining three film three films just to tie up all of the loose ends well, and all of the exposition well, that happened in the second film, which was three hours of exposition and nothing else. Well, Basil exactly. Exposition himself couldn't have made a more exposition-heavy film. <laughs> I like the segue back in, but I'm not going to let you go there yet. I've got <laughs> no, no, about, we're, we're not ready I'm to get to Austin Powers yet. <laughs> But I couldn't. I couldn't let that one slide. No, I've I've got to talk about uh, these movies a bit. So apparently, the mixture of the middling success of the movies, um, the fact that the plot is trash, um, I think they probably could have solved that by not getting J.K. Rowling to write the last two films. Uh, Not gonna lie, probably should have gotten someone who has any kind of experience writing screenplays. Yeah, might have been better for your film series. Um, And then the toxicity around certain parts of the production, so namely J.K. Rowling being transphobic, toxicity around certain (laughs) parts of the franchise. She's she's a fucking transphobe. She's a fucking transphobe. A transphobe. Um, yeah, they're trying to sort of divorce her from it, aren't they? They're like putting her name in really tiny font on things, which really is hilarious. Small font in the bottom right hand corner. Um, but then also the the ongoing furor over Johnny Depp. Yeah, um, which is still going on. I didn't realize he's back in court at the moment, suing suing his former wife. For yeah, yeah. It's all um, very grim. Yeah, and it's it's not a good look for the series because you've got obviously that hanging over it, but then lots of Johnny Depp fans being heavily critical of the series at the same time. Yeah, for not having because um, he's not in it, we... is he? They replaced no, him no, with no, Mads Mikkelsen, was... which is a good move, obviously. But I mean, they should never have cast him in the first place because um, Colin Farrell was amazing in the first. Yeah, one. <laughs> it was completely pointless to recast him. Um, but um, but yeah, so they um, yeah, so a mixture of the movies not being well received, being poorly written, no idea of where they're going in a long term story arc, and then the toxicity around key components of the Harry Potter franchise. All of that's left them where a fourth movie hasn't been greenlit. They don't even have a skeleton of a plot of a screenplay yet. Um, so if this movie doesn't do very well, it's probably going to shutter them. And to be honest, good. <laughs> <laughs> the first one was the first one was good i liked fantastic beasts yeah it i had, enjoyed it it had a weird little man running around trying to find weird little beasts and it was it was fun but then you could even tell in that one oh they're gonna try and do something more epic than weird englishman wants to put some some magic badge badges in his bag um <laughs> which was the best bit of the movie that sounds like um, a story i read my son <laughs> <laughs> um and then um and then yeah clearly then from that point on they started getting more and more epic which didn't suit fantastic beasts at all yeah um so it may well be that this is the last harry potter movie for a while until they decide they want to reboot harry potter in well whenever the rights are about to run out i suppose which is inevitable obviously no they'll be churning stuff out of the potter machine for years to come it's a gold mine but but it's a gold mine that is in a lot more trouble than anyone anticipated and i think it's primarily because of jk rowling's toxicity isn't it well we'll we'll see how the video game does 
um if the video game is a smash hit then it might be that people aren't as online as we are yeah and uh and, and don't don't even realize that jk rowling's a big old transphobe um if the if the if the game also struggles and there's also those issues around it where people are boycotting it because of jk rowling um then then i think they might have to realize mm, are people who play online. games not online well some of them are but some of them are very much not interested in things like politics at all so all they'll do when they're online is look at this game gets a 9 out of 10 instead of a 10 out of 10, so I better send a death threat to the reviewer. And that's about as far as they get in terms of online activity. Right. Um, very so, normal. Yeah. Having <laughs> very a normal, normal. One. <laughs> Gamers are a very normal community of people. They are the most uh, relaxed, most stable group of individuals in the world. Um, yeah. But yeah, so, so we'll see what happens with the game. If the game does well, then that will probably be a good indicator that Harry Potter stuff can continue. If the game doesn't do as well as they are expecting, then I think they might be realising, oh shit, J.K. Rowling being a massive transphobe uh, is not good for our brand. The thing is, if they made a Harry Potter game that was a 2D Metroidvania, if they made Harry Potter Symphony of the Night, I would eat that shit up. That's the kind of game that I want, but they won't (laughs) do it. You're a massive hypocrite. (laughs) Um, no, the thing is that the, the the game itself does look really good fun, uh, and I'm very annoyed that it it comes from the mind of a transphobe, um, and she'll benefit from it. So I'm I'm gonna get it, but I'll probably uh, buy it secondhand. Sorry, guys, but you're not getting my fucking money because none of that's going towards J.K. Rowling and her giant mansion in Scotland. Um, no. No money to transphobes. Her literal castle. Her, her literal castle. That's what gets me about transphobia, right? As everyone goes on about the 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 left wing elite, um, you know who's transphobic in this country? Because w- when you look at polls, right? So sorry, welcome to the transphobia podcast, <laughs> uh, the anti-transphobia <laughs> podcast. I might add. I say, um, I'm going to have to do a, a, an edit on that. <laughs> Yeah, no. This, this is not the guard. Them, this is not the Guardian podcast. We are two individuals who are very much against transphobia, not the other way around. Um, yes, the, we support trans um, rights. Just yeah, we support trans rights. It, yes. We don't support transphobes. Um, but when you look at um, when you look at polls in this country, in the United Kingdom, very much in favour of trans rights. Very much in favour of improving trans rights. Improving the process of transitioning. Um, supporting trans people as they transition. However... Allowing them dignity. Allowing them human rights. Um, However, when you look at at the the media representation of trans people, it's very, very transphobic. And actually what that tells you is, rather than it being a liberal elite that's forcing gender ideology down our necks, instead, Mm. it's a bunch of the most elite people in the country who are transphobic. So you've got literal billionaires <laughs> you've got you've got the media class and might i remind everyone the media class in this country is exceedingly rich exceedingly rich the people who go into media in this in this country are very very rich um and then you've got people like boris johnson so when you look at where the transphobia is coming from it's not ordinary people it's the most elite of the elite of the elite of this country the yeah and the majority of, of news is you know its own it's the power the people who own, you know, newspapers and news outlets. Yes, people get their news from social media and whatever now. But you know, 
old media and newspapers and news media does still is still a major contributor to the discourse of everything and it's run by billionaires and who are conservative it's so, run by it's run yeah. by billionaires who are conservative but then it's also written by columnists and editors who are also incredibly rich and who came from very privileged positions themselves and they should leave trans people alone and let them get on with their lives and they should support a ban on literal torture for everybody across the lgbtq plus spectrum not just for gay people not just for lesbian people they don't even mention bisexual people because in the minds of transphobes bi people apparently don't exist yeah. i don't know if you've noticed that they, they never talk about bi people they always clearly don't think that bi people exist um, yeah, what you hear today is that oh we we finally ad- admitted after you know low decades of persecution and homophobia we finally now accepted that gay people are okay can't you just give us a break now why do we have to d- deal with this new thing now you know and and yeah you get you get all these people saying oh well we've you, we you know you're taking it too far now or or the best one was oh but but gay rights was so polite and we had polite discussions about it and then we reached equal rights it's like a equal rights aren't there yet b it wasn't polite discussion there was protest there was riots <laughs> it wasn't just writing a stern letter to the prime minister yeah. to get to get rights for <laughs> lgb people um that's not what happened stop whitewashing history and then you get jeremy irons wanting to marry his son yeah, that not at all creepy from Jeremy Irons. Um, so yeah, Big Boy says trans rights. Big Boy says um, J.K. Rowling's transphobic. Because did did you see? You know when she made her big old Twitter post about being a transphobe the first time, and she said, "If you're ever actually discriminated against, I'll go march with you." Yeah, that that is exactly it. That is why she is so terrible. Is because. All all she does is tweet shit about trans people all the time, and she never tweets in support of you know of women's issues or anything else that she claims it's all about women and she's so passionate about women's issues. You never see her tweeting about you know equal rights or you know parental leave or and anything you know the fact that you know rapists never get prosecuted stuff like that you know she where's where's her tweet about that you know there's no. there's nothing from her on any of this ever and it's all exactly the just the one issue isn't it exactly and, and and the real proof of the transphobia was she said oh if you're ever discriminated against i'll come and march with you um you know what she did when there was the the conversion therapy march this weekend gone uh, you know, that was very much a, a trans rights march about against being persecuted against because it is persecution if they ban conversion therapy for everyone other than trans people. You know what she was doing at that point? She went for lunch with a bunch of transphobes and took photos of it. I imagine she, she was she did. Di- literally diving into a big pool of money like Scrooge McDuck. No, she she went to she went to lunch with a bunch of incredibly transphobic people, including signatories of the Women's Declaration, which is not a declaration of women's rights. I don't know if you've heard of the Women's no, Declaration. No, I haven't heard before. of that. Um, it calls for the elimination of transgenderism. Ugh. So literally calling for genocide against trans people. Um, so she went for lunch with a few people like that. She went for lunch with Rosie Duffield, the transphobic. Uh, Labour MP and they all went and they had some drinks and they had some canapes uh, while just down the road trans people were actually uh, trans people and their allies I might add because the LGBT community is very much in support of trans rights Uh, don't listen to these idiots who claim that it's divided, it's not 
it's divided by about five people who are transphobic and then a bunch of cis hetero people who want to divide the community transphobia is not groovy is it (laughs) it's not groovy and now now i think shall we now talk about austin powers who austin powers would say trans rights let's be honest absolutely yeah he would be a hundred percent on the right side of history <laughs> yeah he was all about he was all about free love and being who you are yeah austin powers would and, be all over it yeah he's very much himself and his own man isn't it and in in this film as in the first film you think it's it's mike myers's thing of just doing this character and him just saying whatever he wants in character all the time and it's and it's funny Yes. However, I would say... They basically just made the same film again, didn't they? <laughs> I would say they made the same movie again, but not as well, is is what I'd say. I did not enjoy this movie anywhere near as much as the first one. No, and I, I went... Yeah, I went into it sort of knowing that it's a, a sequel that isn't quite as good. So actually, I had quite low expectations and then was pleasantly surprised by how much enjoyed it, but there, how much I enjoyed it, but there were a lot of flaws and a lot of things i didn't like so yeah not as good as the first one for sure no it's um it's yeah it 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 feels a lot like a a, a, almost a a remake of the first movie in a way where there's so many story beats that are the same and so many jokes that are the same they even got burt Bacharach back to be himself (laughs) again (laughs) they did they did (laughs) um alongside my least favorite musician um, Who's that? Elvis Costello. Elvis Costello. I've never told you how much I hate Elvis Costello. <laughs> I think you have mentioned this to me. Yeah, Insipid before. dog shit. <laughs> <laughs> I really hate his music. He's got a couple of okay songs. No, he doesn't. And if you've got a couple of okay songs, that just means ninety nine percent of your output is dog shit. Um, <laughs> sorry, Elvis Costello, but you're bad. You have stupid sunglasses and a stupid hat. Ouch. Get out. <laughs> Um, what did he do what, to you? He 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 made bad music. That's what he did for me. Which Elvis Costello song was playing when you were left at the bus stop <laughs> as a child, or whatever? <laughs> it was um, it was the song "Left at the Bus Stop," which I'm sure is the name of an Elvis Costello yeah. song. Left at the bus stop. <laughs> do, 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 do. That's how it goes. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah so i assume you puked immediately as soon as you saw him on screen my eyes were rolling so much they were literally rolling (laughs) (laughs) um yeah he's just so boring all his music's boring don't you think elvis there's there's a few songs that i like he's it's just it's just plodding plodding nonsense I'm gonna make you a playlist. I'm gonna make you listen to it. And also, he goes by the name Elvis Costello. What is that? Well, it's a combination of Elvis Presley and I don't know <laughs> Costello. Because because his name is Declan something, isn't Declan it? Declan McManus. Yeah, Declan McManus, which is a great name. That is a good name. I'd be happy to go by that yeah. name for sure. Yeah, yeah, but no, Elvis Costello. Outrageous. It's like it's not quite as good as Austin Powers, is it? When you when you see it up against the name like Austin Powers, you're like, yeah. Elvis Costello could be the villain in an Austin Powers movie. I think he would actually do a good job of that. Yeah. Mike Myers is just too greedy and wants to play every part. <laughs> yeah. Including, yeah, he got an extra one in this film, didn't he? Which he is did. Fat Bastard. So let's get get that out of the way. I hated Fat Bastard. That was that was not nice to watch. Fat Bastard is extremely unfunny. 
And now, you, you are a man of Scottish heritage, aren't you? So from that point of view, did you enjoy Fat Bastard? Um, well, not really. <laughs> I mean, I enjoy <laughs> Scottish representation in media. And of course, therefore, I enjoyed a man in a kilt playing the bagpipes, shouting obscenities and eating lots of food. Not every Scottish representation can be Bernestoon, can it? <laughs> no, no, it should be. <laughs> every every Scottish representation in all media should be Bernestoon or Limmy. Or, or Limmy, yeah. <laughs> the only two representations of, of, of Glasgow culture were allowed. Um, so... Uh, um so oh yeah this is another reason why i hated elvis costello i was thinking i swear there's a reason i hate elvis costello more than um more than just because his music shit it's because he's been racist of course he's been racist he said he said the n-word about people before oh really i didn't know that that's bad was when he was a youngster oh dear did they did they resurface some old tweets no 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 this was when he was this is when he was a, a young man Oh, so back in um, the days of carrier pigeons and telegrams, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, he used to hide the racial slurs crumpled up under his hat and then get them out and throw them at people. Um, <laughs> that's how they did it in the seventies. How they did it. That's how they did it in in uh, in, uh, in in the seventies. You're right. And in the sixties, that's like you know in that first that first Austin Powers film. There's the guy who the henchman who throws his hat. That hat was filled with like crumpled up sheets of paper with racial obscenities written on it. Racial obscenities and failed songs from Elvis Costello. Yeah. Uh, by that I mean songs by Elvis Costello. Ooh, burn. <laughs> um, anyway. Maybe right. you hate Elvis Costello as much as I hate Radiohead. Probably, yeah. It's for the same reasons as well. But you, you find their music insipid. And oh, I don't know. Do you... No, because, well, the the biggest beef I have with Radiohead, as I said before, is that they can write good songs, but they choose not to. Whereas I don't think you think that Elvis Costello can write a good song. No, I, I think he is yeah. a waste. <laughs> a waste of flesh. That's what he is. A waste of skin, as Malcolm Tucker would say. <laughs> yes. Um, no, uh, anyway, right, Fat Bastard. Yeah, uh, not a good representation of Scotland. Obviously, he then decided he was going to voice Shrek in a Scottish accent because he realised he could sort of do a Scottish accent. I was going to say, I had to look <laughs> I, up whether this was before assume. Shrek. So it was before Shrek. Still in the 90s, 1999. The 90s. Again, I feel like this is like mid-2000s in my head because all <laughs> yeah. that time period is just a blur. Um, but but the worst thing about uh, Fat Bastard is the fat phobic representation. Yeah, yeah, he's a villain, but you don't have to just keep making fat jokes about him. Yeah, it's it's not on. It's not very funny. It wasn't funny at the time. Even at the time, like yeah, when people were kind of quoting this, and it sort of became memeified in the way that things became memeified in pre-internet, where people were just quoting it stupidly at you all the time. People would walk around saying, "Get in my belly." You know, even at the time, I didn't find that funny. No, and I remember lots of people saying that about, um, like, the larger kids at school. Yeah, and, yeah. And saying that. It's just like, no, that's not. That's a fucking nasty thing to say. Don't do that. Um, so, yeah, it wasn't It wasn't good. It wasn't good. His character wasn't funny. Um, I appreciated him being a nasty piece of shit, but you could have done that without him being a fatphobic joke. Yeah. And making it literally about nasty shit. <laughs> Making it literally about nasty shit as well. This yeah. is the thing. In the first um, film, you get the very, very long piss joke, 
which kind of opens the section in the 90s. In this one, they just descend into full-on, yeah, really, really disgusting, horrible poo humour. Yeah, and so so I've written down that Austin Powers, the spy who shagged me, is the idiot brother of the first movie. Yeah. I stand by that. Um, This is... it, it takes out what little subtlety that there was. There wasn't much subtlety in the first movie, but what subtlety it had was really important to help it help the humor move along well. But there was a there was a smartness to it, and so you had those funny lines of dialogue. You had the slapstick humor that knew how long to play with um, audience expectations, like when he's turning the car around. Um, or the really long we scene, or when Will Ferrell is slowly dying after falling, after getting tr- chucked down the trapdoor, um, and and all of that takes patience and nuance to be able to do that comedy well. And I felt like all of that had been sucked out of this movie, and it had just been replaced by more, um, more, more buzzwords, more one-liners that people can quote at the water cooler at work or in the middle of 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 break at school yeah that, that's that's exactly it it's it just kind of descended didn't it yeah and and that, that's not to say that there weren't some bits that did work very well because there's an element of if it ain't broke don't fix it isn't there where they were like well yeah. we know that this worked well and went down well in the first film so let's just do it again like using the um quincy jones soul bossa nova for the title sequence yeah. so yeah, yeah just have the same song again just, why not just, and just have him dancing again. around gro- grooving about being austin powers we'll just do that again yeah yeah um and that that was bits like that were fine i thought that there were some bits that were genuinely very funny when he keeps using the same woman as a human shield yeah actually hilarious um that that worked so well and the fact that it kept getting more ridiculous and more ridiculous so her getting shot with a bazooka uh him using her to shield his fool when he gets knocked out the window all of that as it got stupider and stupider it got funnier and funnier and so there's bits like that that worked well but then there's also there's too many repeats of the first movie so um dr evil telling his son to shush in different ways it's like yeah that was funny the first time but you've done it twice in this movie now that's the same joke that's that's literally the exact same same joke joke. but i appreciated that they did the joke about dr evil asking for the wrong amount of money in reverse that was that was a good moment yes yeah and that was again that was that was playing with the audience expectations and doing it in a in a fun way um which was good um but it just it feels a little bit too on the nose this one um the repeated use of the song American Woman when Heather Graham's character yeah. turns up. It's just like, yeah, she's American and she's a woman. <laughs> Gosh, what great choice there of song to use. I thought it was nice to have recognition for the Canadian band The Guess Who. <laughs> I imagine Mike Myers is a big fan of theirs being Canadian himself. I assume that, yeah, if you're if you're from Canada, don't you have to only listen to Canadian music? Yeah, the Guess Who, which I think are still probably the most famous band to come out of Winnipeg, even though um, the Weaker Thans, who are one of my all-time favourite bands, are from there, obviously. The Guess Who are probably still more well-known. Who else has come out of Winnipeg? Has anyone else come out of Winnipeg? That's about, no, no one's ever left Winnipeg, apart from those, <laughs> those two <laughs> bands. That, that's it. Uh, I'm going to search famous people from Winnipeg. And see who comes up. 
American woman. The first time you see her in that song plays, you're like, yes, I get it. She's American. Let them have a sexy dance in the club to this song. I appreciate that because that's part of Austin Powers' thing, isn't it? And he dances in a funny way. Yes, he he does dance in a funny way. There is a huge list of ice hockey players who've come out of Winnipeg. Yes, the Winnipeg Jets are a very big and important team in the NHL, who I sort of vaguely follow when baseball's not on. Because I used to follow the national hockey league as it's known by true hockey aficionados yeah we never we never abbreviate it down to nhl have you know too vulgar you you turn up and you go excuse me are you showing the national hockey league game here in this sports bar good patrons i would like to see a man punch (laughs) another man on ice please (laughs) yeah and then and then if you're lucky they'll show you again but i don't remember the the winnipeg jets they were not around for a while they were one of the oh, old teams who got moved why. somewhere else and then they and then there was a new franchise so it's one of those weird franchising things they went away and then they came back right okay that might be why um yeah because i used to follow i used to follow ice hockey so yeah. maybe one of the ones like the mighty ducks that got bumped around wherever yeah they were established as the Atlanta Thrashers. That's right. Which I think is, is obviously the most heavy metal name in sports ever, so I appreciate that. And the Phoenix Coyotes. Yep. Right, okay, that's why. That's why. They have a literal jet on their logo. Yeah. What else are you going to have? It's a bit military for me. Oh, I, I see, yeah, your pacifist thing. I don't know. When I watch... When I watch... Uh, Ice hockey, I'm not thinking about violence. <laughs> no, you're thinking about Mike Myers, who is the most important Canadian man. Who <laughs> is the most important Canadian man? So you've got a load of ice hockey players. You've got a few basketball and American football players. Um, let's get down to musicians. There is a separate article for list of Winnipeg musicians. So we've got some, yeah, we've got the guess who on this list. Yeah. You ever heard the Weaker Thans much? Uh, one of my one of my all time favorite bands. John K. Samson is their lead guy. He's solo now since they broke up. But yeah, oh, have they broken up? Have they? Yeah, yeah. But probably like a decade ago now. At least track of time. Oh, hold hold on one second. Hold on one second here. Oh, have you know that Neil Young comes from Winnipeg? Oh, really? Yes. Oh, that's right. I knew he was Canadian. I didn't know that was where he was from. So I think we might have to bump the guess you, the guess, the guess you, the guess you, the guess you. <laughs> we might have to bump the guess who down a peg there because um, I bet you Mike Myers asked Neil Young to be in Austin Powers and he said no. Yeah, probably, probably. Apparently, propaganda were from yes. So John K. Samson was the bassist in propaganda for their first two albums, and then he left to form the Weaker Thans. Oh right, okay. Well, that makes sense then. Yeah, I'm afraid I'm not up in my. With your Winnipeg between bands in Canada, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the Crash Test Dummies are from Winnipeg. Oh, terrible band! <laughs> what are you talking about? Terrible band with a terrible name. M- majestic band with a perfect name. I think you'll find with the guy that sings "Rule Deep Ladus." Yeah, no, I appreciate a voice like that, but yeah, I could never get into God, them. God shuffled his feet with the song that that is titled Mm-mm-mm-mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which in in oh. British would be du, 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 du. yeah. They it's have the Canadian the, version of that. Have you, have you ever seen the 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 
cover to mm-mm-mm. no it's a true shit piece they've like photoshopped the band members faces onto onto the the uh, bits of a renaissance painting let me let me post it um, into the chat here i'm looking this up oh no that's truly terrible it's it's quite something isn't it yeah <laughs> and it's got the yeah, very, very sort of word art font on the top. <laughs> this is what we want. This is what we want. That's very bad. It's a bit like that Coal Chamber album, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's it's very psychedelic, similar, which we talked yeah. about on our other show. It's very similar. Um I'm gonna have to I I can't even remember what the crash test dummies sound like apart from that he sings really deep like this. Yeah, I honestly don't so, think I could name you another I'm, one of their songs. <laughs> I'm, ge- I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to. Um, gonna have to listen to them now. I think. Yeah. What my, we're my talking dad about? Used to love Crash Test Dummies. Really? Yeah. <laughs> While we're talking about music, I did enjoy the section in Aust- in Austin Powers: The Spy Who Shagged Me, where Doctor Evil was singing his songs at the piano. Oh yeah. Mini me. Yeah. No, that was good. I, I also have a confession. I really like the Madonna song from this movie. <laughs> Which one was that? A Beautiful Stranger. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a lovely little song. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. You can't fault the music in Austin Powers, can you? No, you can't. The, the soundtracks are fantastic. And it, Yeah, he sings that, that song. What if God was one of us? And of course, there's a famous parody of that, which is "What if God smoked cannabis?" Um, when he which made someone, platypus. Yeah, <laughs> I remember a guy at school who was a few years above me singing that once at a school talent show and getting in trouble. Oh, really? Yeah. Naughty, naughty. I remember that. Yeah, when he, he went up there to sing, and this guy was already seen as like a bit of a lad, and then he went up to sing it, and they're kind of everyone was just going <gasps> in the theatre when he was singing it. It was great. <laughs> See, this was the the era of Madonna where it was like a a, a renaissance of Madonna almost, wasn't it? Mm. A, a resurrection after. I mean, she never went away, but she, you know, she obviously was huge in the eighties. Um, then did a Vita, and then bam, back with this, and it's like very electronica heavy. You had Ray of Light, and then you had this um, great era for Madonna music. Yeah, she she had a lot of hits around this time. You forget how many there were. Yeah, because after this, it was it went from it went from Ray of Light, which had obviously Ray of Light, and then Frozen on it, which is a a great little little moody song. Yeah, which inspired Disney's musical Frozen, of course. <laughs> which of course they did, of course. Um, and then and then went on to do the album Music. I'm always suspicious of artists who name their stuff yeah. music. Um, <laughs> <laughs> one day i'm gonna write a book and it's just gonna be called book <laughs> you really should and that obviously had had the song music on it yeah which was a smash um, hit at the time i remember and then she did the american pie cover as well around the same time didn't she yeah um, which again i think that was for a soundtrack of a movie wasn't it rather than release specifically i think it was yeah um so a lot of a lot of that going on for madonna around this time yeah we have to mark her down for getting married to guy Ritchie, though don't we <laughs> Of course, of course. Um, My second least favourite director of all time. <laughs> you you dislike Quentin Tarantino more than Guy Ritchie? Yes, 100%. <laughs> wow. 
That is that is some. I still haven't watched the. Um, we barely talked about Austin Powers, have we? I still I still <laughs> haven't watched the Guy Ritchie King Arthur King Cockney Arthur, but I oh, might have to watch it soon for research. It's it's genuinely for, for research. Yeah, I'm working on this this novel that's like vaguely Arthurian, and I got seventy thousand words in, and I've had to throw the whole thing out and start again. Is that because you realise that you just written the plot of King Arthur: Legend of the Sword by Guy Ritchie? So yeah, exactly. You need, to, you need to watch it and work out exactly how much you need to get. Rid no, of Guy Ritchie it. got in touch and accused me of plagiarism. Ah, uh, okay, okay. It, it's it's a lot of fun. It's extremely stupid, um, but it's a very good uh, Jude Law uh, Jude Law performance in it, and Charlie Hunnam is always fun. Um, so yeah, no, it's. I I I feel Guy Ritchie is hit and miss. I don't like his Sherlock Holmes movies as much as I appreciate that they annoyed a lot of Sherlock Holmes fans. Which is <laughs> yes, I, I will always side um, with him on that. <laughs> um, I'm not a big fan of them. I I I like Snatch. I think Snatch is a fun little crime comedy caper. Um, but um, but apart from that, I think his best things have been. Um, have you seen the Man from Uncle? No, that is genuinely silly name. Very, very good. So, um, it the man from Uncle is actually it's not his fault that it's called that. That's the name of a sixties TV series. Yeah, yeah, no, still silly name. Right. Okay. I thought you were blaming Guy Ritchie for a silly name. Well, I'm I'm blaming him by proxy, but (laughs) (laughs) um, uh, but then it's got um, it's like a sort of a light-hearted spy movie. Um, it kind of, I guess you could kind of see it as a parallel to Austin Powers because, again, it is um in the sixties and very much sixties heavy. Is it groovy, baby? Uh, it is groovy. It's got Henry Cavill as one of the lead performances, Alicia Vikander, um, and then everyone's favourite um violent cannibal, Army Hammer. Oh right, world. that guy. Um, yeah, that guy. But uh, we um we just watched the new fun. Death on the Nile actually, which he was in. Oh um, really? Was it yeah, any good? Being being an angry cannibal, um, it was it was all right. Yeah, we watched the yeah Kenneth Branagh's performance was ridiculous. It was really really ridiculously long, and it kind of dragged a bit, but it wasn't bad. It was worth worth a watch. I think Murder on the Orient Express was more fun, but that's because it's on a train, and I like trains. Because <laughs> because Ken Bran, as he's known by his friends, Ken Bran, Ken Bran. Yeah. Um, he he directs and he stars, doesn't he? Yes. Does a, he does a um, Garth Marenghi on yeah. his movies. Um, he writes the theme tune and he sings the theme tune. The one thing that's putting me off is it does have Russell Brand in, doesn't it? I know. And when he appeared, um, my wife, hate, she hates Russell Brand. And she was like, oh, it's that guy. Oh, I hate him. And I was like, I didn't even recognize him because he's got short hair and a beard. Um, and she's like, you know, the guy who was married to Katy Perry and whatever. And I was like, you mean Russell Brand? Like, yeah, Russell Brand. I genuinely had to look it up because I didn't recognize him. God, he was married to Katy Perry, wasn't he? Yeah. I'd completely forgotten about that. Okay, Katy Perry's back in for our movie because yeah. I really annoy Russell Brand. <laughs> yes, I knew I'd talk you around. <laughs> Katy Perry, you're in. Doesn't matter how bad you are at acting. I have no idea how good you are. <laughs> Act as bad as you want for as long as you want, as long as it will annoy Russell Brand. Um, I He's so infuriating. Um Because he's, he's in... Sorry, we will get back to talking about Austin Powers at some point, I promise you. Um, but um, he, he's good in forgetting Sarah Marshall as yes. himself. Um, but do you remember when 
I think it was in the run-up to the 2010 election when suddenly everyone thought he was some kind of political philosopher king and people were listening to his his views on politics and he's been in and out of that stuff he's been making like podcasts and youtube stuff about politics now for dec- for decades hasn't he, he has yeah most some recent. of which is good i've listened to the odd thing of his from from a few years ago and he would actually interview left wing academics and you know people like david graeber um was one of them you know and David Harvey, who's a guy who wrote a book on a really influential book on neoliberalism, you know, Russell Brand was genuinely interviewing these people and having great conversations with them, but he's still very infuriating. <laughs> and and most recently, of course, um, blaming uh, NATO for the invasion of Ukraine and oh really, that, and claiming that Ukraine's full of chemical weapons labs. This <laughs> is oh, what he's been geez. doing most recently. Um, so yeah, he's still doing that. It's maybe not as good as it used to be. If if he was genuinely once interesting, but yeah, I, remember, I remember he's had in- some really good and intelligent moments, and then he just like seems to just spout nonsense every now and then. And it's like, yeah, he just like he can't make up his mind whether he's actually a sensible person or not. Yeah, because I I remember in the run up to the twenty ten election, he he said young people don't go and vote, <laughs> which was like they're too hmm. busy with their TikToks, mate. <laughs> Too busy playing that's a, that's Fortnite. A, that's a bold strategy to bring about the socialist libertarian utopia that you're dreaming of, Russell Brand. Let's see whether telling young people not to vote will pay off or whether it will lead to a conservative government that's been in power for 12 years. <laughs> bold strategy there. Um, yeah. Well, the good anyway, news is that he's only in Death on the Nile for about five minutes. He's a, it, quite a minor get, character. Does he get killed? I think he does get killed. No, he doesn't get killed. No, he's not, he plays as a wet milk doctor. You, you wouldn't, yeah, you barely notice that he's there. Not interested. If he died, I'd be in. But no, Sorry, it's mostly no. lots of Army Hammer being angry and storming about on a boat while Kenneth Branagh works out that he's the murderer. Spoiler alert! <laughs> Spoiler alert for an ancient story. Um, <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Um, anyway, right, Austin Powers. Austin um, Powers. Yeah. What did I just you wanted think... to get in that I'd watched a, a film that was, that had come out this year. I'm very impressed very often. that you have. Um, what did you think of the lack of Liz Hurley in this movie? It was a shame. I, was, I thought she was very good in the first one. And although it, it gave them a chance to not make the first film over and over again, they still managed to do that. So you think, well, if they could have had her, it might have been quite fun to see him as a monogamous man. And it felt lazy, didn't it? It felt like they couldn't possibly show him being married. It was like, because he's this kind of groovy, free love sex king, they couldn't show him being married. And they decided to just dispatch with her immediately by having her be a fembot, which was kind of funny. That's the thing. You you think it's lazy, but it is also funny, so you might let it slide at the beginning of the film. Yeah, apparently it was mainly down to scheduling conflicts that she couldn't come back and do the sequel. Okay. Um, right. But it is it is funny the way that they got rid of her and, and Basil Exposition says, oh yes, we knew about that for some time, and then no explanation at all yeah. about it. <laughs> it was very well done, but I think it was a shame because they could have had her character in it and had Austin Powers have to go back to the past um and then had him struggle with being monogamous with um with with heather graham's character i've forgotten her character name felicity shagwell felicity shagwell (laughs) yeah um and and being like oh i'm in the era of free love but now i'm a taken man that could have added some good character conflict then yeah But but instead austin powers's character arc from the first movie is completely taken away (laughs) instantly 
and he's just back to being the man he was in the first film um apart from without his mojo which is yep. the main plot point we haven't talked about the main plot point of this movie austin powers's libido has been taken away everyone uh, so but it turns out he had it all along yeah <laughs> exactly exactly God, yeah that was the big joke at the time wasn't it everyone joking about mojo My mojo yeah i'm um, not sorry to see the back of that <laughs> no definitely not um so so yeah it was i i do feel as though it was a bit of a missed opportunity um because it was just a bit i don't know it, it had goof factor though didn't it it did it did it's got you know half the time austin powers is making a shit joke and then laughing at it which is actually always funny that's the thing like the way he laughs at his own jokes it's the the character piece kind of just about carries it doesn't it yeah that's the thing is is his performance as austin powers is so good that you just kind of keep watching it (laughs) even 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 when it doesn't quite land the fact that he's still there being austin powers helps it helps it be palatable yeah and you know it the opening thing where he's like he's naked in the lift and running around the hotel and the credits are covering his junk i enjoyed that oh yeah you can never get enough of of comedy nudity in movies no one of those few things that's always inherently funny I think it starts well, and then it sort of drags in the middle. I think it's as soon as Fat Bastard appears, you're like, okay, now this film is quite literally going down the toilet. <laughs> quite literally, yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's not. It it has its problems, doesn't it? I think it's the main thing. Yeah, and then being beaten up by Mini Me is funny, isn't it? It is, it is. But again, Mini-Me became a kind of joke in itself that was just a bit like, oh, okay. And like the, the funny thing about Mini-Me's character was the the power dynamic, the family dynamic between him, uh, Seth Green and Dr. Evil. Yeah. Where you had this kind of competitiveness to be the child. Um, whereas instead it wasn't just funny that he said, I call him Mini-Me. That wasn't... Yep the funny thing and put his little finger up to his mouth (laughs) exactly exactly there were many funnier things about it than that um so yeah um i i wish people could enjoy the actual humor in these movies instead of just the sound bites yep and you know Vern Troyer sadly died a few years ago of, yeah, um, you know, yeah which was really which is really sad you know because the guy had an, an interesting career was in a few a few different things and you know people probably he's probably best remembered for this but he he had an interesting career yeah yeah no for sure for sure um and yeah so so you know the, these this movie isn't a train wreck by any means no no um i'm sure just... there's much worse stuff from 1999 I think we've watched some of it. For that I was going to say that's ever. very much our area. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it did just feel like a bit of a a bit of a missed opportunity. Um, but I'm excited. I don't know if I've ever seen Goldmember. I have no recollection of Goldmember. So I don't I'm don't to think see I've seen that. That is then the true shit piece of this trilogy. It probably is, isn't it? <laughs> I 
think so. Um, is there anything else you want to say about about the spy who? Um, just me? did you? I really enjoy this series's commitment to fake books. So in this one, there was like at the beginning, he holds up like a, a Kama Sutra, and it's like the Austin Powers Kama Sutra with a properly designed cover and stuff. And in the first one, there's when it's making a joke about like um, him needing a penis enlarger. There's like a book that he pulls out from his that the the security guard pulls out of his bag. That's like why I need a penis enlarger by Austin Powers or something, which is very like has his name and his picture on it. Like this commitment to fake books was something I really appreciated. Yeah, yeah, no, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. I I miss the number of the the strange cutaway gags to dead henchmen's families from the first movie. Yeah, um, I wish there was more of that in here. But um, what you get instead is the chain of um, dick jokes. <laughs> instead, you just you just get continual dick jokes, which again goes on just long enough beyond when it was initially funny yeah. to be funny again. So that was another another good one, featuring actual Willie Nelson, actual Woody Harrelson. Yes, <laughs> which is good. Which is good. Um, I just want to shout out. I like Heather Graham, and I think she should have been in more stuff. Yeah, for sure. Um, un- underrated, I would say. Underrated. Good yeah, in, absolutely. Good and she she brings an energy stuff. to this that is different to Liz Hurley. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, really leans into, um, into the absurdity of it a lot more than Liz Hurley's character, which was more of a sort of straight man to Austin Powers' wacky adventure. Um, whereas here, she's very much along in it and and complicit in the nonsense of the whole movie um which i which i think works well yeah for sure um but yes i've got some trivia for you um so apparently the uh the the uh the the sort of promotion in the trailers was incredibly funny because uh, they used to say, if you only see one movie this summer, see Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. <laughs> but if you see two movies, see Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me. That's very funny. Uh, which I think is very good. Um, apparently, Same mirror as The Phantom Menace. Yeah, really. yeah. It's odd, isn't it? Um, Rob Lowe playing Robert Wagner's character um was actually done several years before the appearance in this film because he dated one of uh wagner's daughters oh really and uh and yeah so he already had a good impression of him at hand which is useful for playing the same character but a younger version that's hilarious um which is which is great uh this was the only film in the austin powers franchise to receive an oscar nomination oh really Uh, for for, costumes for best makeup best makeup yeah i hope not for fat bastard yeah you never know. You never know. Um, uh, and Michael York went on record that his own grandchildren showed him respect and admiration for the first time for playing Basil Exposition. <laughs> um, which is, yeah, he, he had an he has had a very distinguished career. Um, uh, and so I think that's quite sad, but at the same time, incredibly funny. Um, and in terms of the popularity of this movie, this earned $54.9 million in its domestic opening weekend, wow. which is more than the first movie made during its entire domestic theatrical run. So if you're, if you're if you're wondering why a lot of the sound bites from Austin Powers seem to come from the sequel instead, that's why a lot more people saw this than saw the original in the cinemas. 
It must. It was kind of in the right place at the right time, wasn't it? Uh, yes, yeah, it was. It was just in the right moment. Um, and uh, a, a couple of extra things. So Catherine Zeta-Jones was considered for the role of Felicity Shagwell, yeah. which she could have done an amazing job, I'm sure. Absolutely. Uh, it would have been very good. Um, and then here's some other translations of The Spy Who Shagged Me. So in Croatia, the film's title translates as The Spy Who Groped Me. <laughs> in Brazil, it's <laughs> oh, the, no. the Spy Good in Bed. And in China, it's <laughs> The Spy Who Liked Me A Lot. Um, speaking of China, sorry, but let's bring it full circle and bring it back. 